So I thought I would begin here this evening. You hear me all right? Okay, great. <clears throat> With a little love uh, from the cat in the hat. <laughs> and this is about aging, which uh, a, a few of us up here have that situation happening. So, uh, and it's been one of my years where this had to be uh, put in my face, so I'll go ahead and read it. I cannot see, I cannot pee, I cannot chew, I cannot screw. Oh my God, what can I do? My memory shrinks, my hearing stinks, no sense of smell, I look like hell. My mood is bad, can you tell? My body's drooping, have trouble pooping. The golden years have come at last. The golden years can kiss my ass. <laughs> You're my leader. <laughs> I couldn't resist. <laughs> oh. So uh, tonight, I, I did write you a poem, which will hopefully uh, unframe my talk or frame it. I'm not sure which, but we'll see what happens here. So it goes. Thanks, dot, 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 giving. Searching through the catalog of my own mind. Adventuring down the back alleyways caught in the maze of my own manufacturing. These narrow streets, so colorful. Canopies blocking the sunlight. The busyness of the kasba, the smell of mint tea. Where was I going? Where did I come from? Who is that that knows that? Stopping suddenly in the middle of the alleyway, feet glued to the cobblestones. That old familiar fear rising in the pit of the stomach once more. Remembering somehow that the maze goes on forever. Turning back, all the way back. Time, standing still the hush of all the voices. Wonder of wonders, remembering the silence at the gateway of the monastery. Some deep surrender or some measure of faith loosens the fear at last. No more searching through the darkened streets, no more pulling out of hair, asking which way to go. Why is this so difficult? Who started this? <laughs> how far? How long? How high? Will it ever reach some kind of peace? Giving up, giving way, just giving. Some thanks, dot, 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 giving. The heart, like the lotus flower, barely open so sensitive, rising out of the muck of the back streets of my mind. Finally, finding its own way. Finally, finding its own way. So uh, tonight I would like to explore with you uh, really uh, it's a bit complex in one way, is what is called the Patya Samupada, and it is uh, the wheel of dependent origination, uh, which is really how uh, we keep uh, spinning in this uh, samsara, this repetition of grasping. And also that there is a, a, actually an opposite wheel, a wheel of freedom, which I would like to uh, also um, explore with you. Uh, Tija, last night I listened to 
his talk on tape, uh, on CD. And uh, this thing around, uh, I would start with incompleteness and complete. You know. And from uh, the very teachings themselves, uh, this is complete. You know. And yet at the same time, uh, the incompleteness is uh, somehow about this capacity uh, that uh, we have to have this curiosity, this quality of investigation, uh, which brings us here and uh, keeps us here. And also underneath all of that is this uh, truth of uh, what this capacity to kind of trust. And that we're actually working from the uh, incompleteness, the completeness of this trust. Uh, but there has to be some somewhat understanding of it. So I'd like to kind of play with that this evening. Uh, many, many years ago, um, it seems like back in the uh, Stone Ages, uh, when I first was practicing, uh, my teacher, uh, after this was, oh, this is, I guess a little funny part of it. It was a 30-day retreat, and after 20 days, uh, I was asked to do uh, the managing. And uh, Sharon Salzberg was the, for the women's side, and I was for the men's side. And it was in the, uh, up about 8,000 feet in the Himalayas, in a place called Dalhousie. And um, after 20 days, I was to take over, and uh, I really had no idea uh, what the job entailed, uh, and uh, certainly not the uh, experience and knowledge that there is today. So I, someone lent me an alarm clock, and so it was my first morning uh, to wake everybody up, uh, and at that time we woke up at four. So I got the alarm clock and um, set it. And uh, that evening, this was about the mid-September, and the monsoons were still there, and it just was pelting rain, uh, monsoon rain, just terrible. It was just, and on tin roofs, uh, really noisy, and there were probably 150 yogis at this retreat. And um, so the alarm went off, and it was storming and racing, so I thought, well, I better get to it. You know, it was dark, and I ran, I had one of these big, kind of Burmese bells, and I went, and I went in each room, and I just smacked that thing, you know, I was a good, uh, good yogi, you know, I was going to get everybody up, so, and it was about 150 yards to the meditation uh, building where everybody was sitting, so I did the rounds, and I, I, I just was, uh, I was a good waker-upper, you know, and I went back to my room, and I still couldn't see very well, and, um, uh, I finally looked at the clock, and it was one o'clock in the morning. <laughs> and I, I went into my room, and it was like the, the most, you know, it was like a little kid, the humiliation. <laughs> and, and I thought, oh, they're, they're going to cut my throat, you know. <laughs> and this was my first round at this. And the next you know, uh, breakfast is at 6, 6.30 or something like that, and, and people come up, there were several, I got several notes saying, oh, I had the most fabulous sit this morning. I just, it was the longest sit I've ever had, but it was really great. <laughs> so, but I just remember sitting in my room and, and, and you know, the, the, the old fear and the, the humiliation was just phenomenal that I'd kind of blown it, you know. And um, the kind of in these uh, very sensitive uh, what environment that uh, we live in and create here. So at the end of that retreat, my uh, teacher at the time, S.N. Cuenca, said, uh, I would like you to go into self-retreat and study the Patyasamupada. This, oh, it's this wheel of dependent origination. So the mayor of the town gave me this little cell and the thing was, there was the white Himalayas uh, out behind, and there were bars on the window. <laughs> and so I would look out through these bars in the window uh, in this, uh, from actually a little concrete bunker, you know, with a steel door on it. And they would bring me food twice a day. 
And in those days, I didn't walk, I just sat, you know, and that was uh, sort of the training. So I was a great kind of warrior type, that was fine. But I studied this thing, and after 10 days of sitting there and trying to figure it out, I realized I had no idea about it, you know? And so it began this process, though, of uh, curiosity and the fact that, oh, this was really something about the heart of the Buddha's teachings. Over the years, um, trying to digest this and, and look at it and see that somehow uh, this question about, um, you know, why is this so difficult? And it all is in this wheel of dependent origination, or sometimes also uh, called the uh, codependent arising. And it, it really uh, explains in some way uh, how uh, we get caught and stay caught and keep revolving around it. You know. And I'll just go through it with you. Uh, it begins uh, with the fact that uh, w the first two, they say, are the past. And the first is just ignorance, you know? This not knowing uh, that uh, uh, is creating itself over and over again. And that simply because of that, they say there's uh, volitional formations, or you could say karmic formations. And of course, uh, a karmic formations means that basically uh, we have on one side, we have uh, things that we have um, uh, and this is, gets a little complicated because I'm not sure how to describe it, but there, are, there is a past, and that past uh, creates, in some sense, uh, this, this moment. And this moment uh, is uh, based on good and bad experiences that uh, arise uh, out of the conditioning itself, where it come from the hard to say, but we know it arises. And I think just being here, uh, the fact that you all got here uh, as part of uh, your kind of stream or your formation uh, is remarkable. You know, of all the pieces that had to come together uh, for you to be here for this retreat, you know, uh, it is remarkable. And just being born, you know, in this time with these teachings and the fact that uh, the, the uh, privilege uh, of being able to uh, uh, attend uh, in a culture that's so, uh, you know, busy uh, recreating itself faster and faster. You know, so here we are. Uh, these uh, fact is true. Well, if, if the ignorance is there uh, and these formations, these volitional formations there, karmic formations are there, then they say if that's there, then there is uh, body and mind, nama rupa, arise. So, uh, and if the nama rupa arises, uh, then uh, what we know as the five senses in the mind arise. And if the, you have uh, the five senses in the mind that arise in a body, uh, then there is contact. Uh, when there's contact, there is feeling. You know, a feeling come, is very simple. Uh, it comes in pleasant, unpleasant, and what they call neutral or not visible or knowing or that happens. So we use it, not the not knowing of it. But that's what's going on. It's very simple, three things. And out of that, there is uh, the liking and disliking that happens. So suddenly there's a grasping. You know? So those first seven happen automatically. And then at the feeling base, due to the pleasant or unpleasantness of it, or spaced outness, is at that moment, 
then there is a liking or disliking. And so there is a grasping there. And that grasping then they say goes to attachment. The attachment goes to becoming. Becoming uh, then goes to birth. Birth goes to old age, illness, and death. And you, that's the 12 links or causations that keep repeating themselves over and over again. And so just to just somewhat get a picture of this, because they say that once the grasping is there, uh, that as soon as the grasping is there, the other five go right back to ignorance and start over again. So it's this wheel of dependent origination. It depends on our grasping that it happens over and over and over again. And we come to practice, and we begin to, in essence, begin to experience this and study it in so many ways. You know, over and over again, we uh, notice the grasping, and, and, you know, we have a pain in the back. We have some... Um, you know, lust, some desire, some, some uh, old memory, or, or we fall into planning, but there's always some degree with the mindfulness of awareness of uh, how it's happening. So we really, we're studying uh, how this is happening. Uh, there's a, the word vedana, which is, uh, simply translates as sensation. And when the contact happens and the feeling is there, uh, there's really uh, a moment there uh, where uh, we can have, actually this is where choosing happens. And what the Buddha was pointing to was this one little place on the wheel that said, oh, this is the place that if you are conscious, you are mindful, you are awake, you're aware of that moment, and there's a choice between grasping or allowing, you know, uh, that you either go from the grasping to the attachment and start around, or you simply suspend, you hold that, uh, in some way of having some clarity or uh, capacity to um, uh, last night uh, teacher used the word intuitive knowing you know and this what's interesting in how we kind of work in our minds is that there's the experience itself. And what's happened is uh, we have uh, built up a huge amount of, of belief systems that are uh, based on uh, the use of a kind of a dualistic language. And language itself, it's beautiful. I love, you know, I love Robert's poetry. I, I love just the whole, this the whole fact that we can take the kind of the experience and the images of things and uh, be able to, uh, from a primal place, language it in some way. It is uh, truly um, a, uh, what, um, that place between experience and kind of our beginnings of uh, formulating uh, how we construct uh, ourself and the reality that we experience. But the practice here is based on actually of this intuitive knowing or knowledge uh, is based on the fact that we have to suspend that languaging, that we have to get underneath it somehow. This whole process is, is first to understand it and see how it works on some level. And then there is the practice of, uh, of the silence, of this capacity to begin to listen in a way that's different than the constructs of the language itself. A huge, uh, this is a huge challenge because we go around labeling everything. 
you know, and we think sometimes in sentences, I don't know, paragraphs for some people, you know. And here we are uh, in a situation where uh, we're asked first to, to see sometimes this uh, practice of, of watching uh, the, this thinking mind in some way, where there's enough objectivity, where it's simply like a song. It's playing along, but we're not holding the words themselves, just the rhythms that they are uh, appearing or happening. Uh, kind of loosening the uh, tenacity uh, of, uh, of how we have created this collective consensus uh, to communicate, uh, to uh, know in ourselves. But underneath it, underneath it, there is this process that we're going through, which is a deconstruction. So we're actually taking what we know and deconstructing piece by piece as we have insight into the grasping, into that place, the Vedna, between the, where that moment of where the feeling, the contact and the feeling, and uh, what we do with it at that point. And we rest, and we keep dropping uh, below it and not holding it uh, in any kind of captivity, but give it, uh, in essence, uh, some space. At the point where uh, we begin to really uh, find some capacity to, in a sense, uh, let go or get bigger, kind of a spaciousness that means that we are not uh, grasping, uh, but we're actually noticing and allowing. That they say in this wheel of freedom, so these are the 12, this is the 12, points of dependent origination. There's also a wheel that's the wheel of freedom. And this little point here is so important because the moment that we let go, the first thing they say, and I'm just going to go through this, is that there is the capacity to understand the, the Buddha's first noble truth, that, that that grasping is suffering. So the first awareness when we're, we suspend uh, our need to, for liking and disliking, but just to, in a sense, um, uh, gently hold uh, what's occurring uh, is the truth, uh, the truth of uh, the wheel itself and knowing the consequences of the wheel. And so there is, internally, there is uh, an intuitive knowing or knowledge of that particular truth. And so that's really the basis of the first, uh, at least from the uh, suttas, of what this is. That there's actually the knowing of the first noble truth of suffering. And by knowing that, uh, we also are releasing uh, the wheel and begin to turn our attention uh, towards uh, actually freedom. And when we turn our attention towards freedom, then uh, the next knowing or arising uh, is actually translated as word as faith. And that faith uh, which a lot of times in Buddhism you don't find a whole lot. Uh, but uh, the Buddha explained it, and there's kind of different ways of looking at this. He, there was speaking of it as 
uh, first of all, blind faith, uh, where we simply uh, kind of take it uh, as the Kalama Sutta that was given last night is, is, no, we have to keep this inquiry going. We can't just take it uh, from someone else or something else or some book or the way it's passed down. It's actually, we have to go into our own experience and know what's so. And when we understand and have experienced what that, uh, the truth of, of that first noble truth and that suffering uh, as a point of freedom, uh, then there actually is this faith. And the faith uh, is uh, based uh, very much on the experience itself. So it's a verified uh, faith. But the truth also is that when we step into non-grasping, there's also we don't have the same constructs of the mind and the same language to hold everything in. So there's actually, you're kind of sitting in a place of not being able to know what's going on. You know, it's not possible to know at that point. You know, uh, any place you go, you will create a duality again of you know, uh, myself and how I think of things or uh, something. And this says, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm actually going to stay in the not knowing and allow something deeper to be touched inside me, you know, uh, to, in a sense, surrender. Um, and that surrendering then uh, begins a process. And that process is where, in these next five, are uh, due uh, very much uh, to the um, not moving back into grasping, but actually recognizing the direction where this is going. You know? And yet you can't know. Okay? There's no way of knowing because there's no, no languaging or selfing there. There's just this something deep that says, oh, you know, uh, I can surrender and let go here and I can't, I'm not going to be able to know. You know, and you will have to do this many, many times to get to that. But then what happens at that point, then uh, a series of things begin to happen. And uh, they're uh, kind of the next steps are these five steps of, um, and this is somewhat uh, translated out of uh, the, one of the teachers, Ajahn Buddhadasa. And then with the help of my friend Gil Fransdale and, and Tanisara, uh, sort of restructured some of the translation. So. Uh, but the way I understand it is that when we surrender that way and we know we're going not back to the grasping on this wheel, but actually headed towards freedom, then uh, immediately there's delight. You know, and the delight then uh, uh, manifests as joy. You know? And the joy then manifests as tranquility. And the tranquility manifests as happiness. And the happiness is the collectedness, is the concentration. So suddenly those uh, five uh, factors uh, arise uh, out of the surrender itself. And the not going back, but actually saying, oh no, I'm going to stay in not knowing. I'm just going to hang out in the middle. You know, This can be a scary place. But then the confirmation comes that, oh, I've taken the right direction because uh, the delight, uh, the delight is very much about a mind that is not grabbing anything. The joy is where the heart has simply, um, uh, it no longer is hindered, constrained or caught. It, it has great distances that it can allow. And the body, in this word tranquility, the body is at ease. You know, uh, it, actually, there's lightness of body. Uh, it is uh, not a problem. You know. So there's this kind of mind and 
this heart and this body that uh, are being affirmed in staying in the not knowing and not creating anything. It's okay. You really have to just sit. Sit in the silence. And the natural consequence then is that there is uh, this effervescence, this happiness uh, that is uh, confirmed through the mind and heart and body. Uh, And naturally the mind then uh, can either go into deep states of absorption Uh, or simply uh, just be there in the fractions of a second on the moving objects of awareness. Oh, this, oh, this, oh, this. You know, with this tremendous curiosity and and, uh, steadiness. And then a phenomenal thing happens. You know, is... Uh, the knowledge that was based on the brain and um, somewhat on the intelligence in the body, uh, suddenly uh, there is what is known n- the knowledge of the way things are. You know? And so suddenly there is an exponential uh, understanding of the intuitive workings of things of truth, mystery. One has some direct connection or knowledge that uh, it's, in a sense, unfathomable. I like this whole idea of, of I heard this recently and thought it was a, a kind of an interesting about the knowledge, the way things are, that in any one moment there are, and this may differ because I heard Wes say kind of 11 million uh, things arise in one moment. I also heard 4 billion, you know, happen in any one moment. You know, and that our sense experience can take in 2,000 of that. That's point zero zero five four. That's what it can take in of what's happening here. Any much, right? You know, any much. And we're very much like like a a speedboat, and it has this wake. And unconsciousness is way the hell back there, right? And we start working, moving up the wake of the boat. And as we move closer, um, we begin to uh, understand a little more how it works. There's one problem here, is that we're never actually, you know, we say, oh, let's be in the present. Well, what's that really mean? When things are moving at the kind of speed we're talking about, it's such a oxymoron to try to sit and get quiet and be still and come, you know, I come to meditate. And you sit down and you try to be quiet. You know, you think, oh, I'm going to still, I'm going to get really still. But it's oxymoron because you can never get still. This is a river of information, you know, four billion bytes a second, you know? So we're always somewhere back in the wake. We can't actually show up in the moment that it happens. We're always moments, it's like, we're, you know, we're never behind the eight ball, you know? <laughs> you know? We're, we're way back there. So don't get too crazy about it. You know, it's all right, you know, and this is where 
eventually when the knowledge of the way things are is yes, we can start getting some information uh, about kind of the mystery of things. But the, why? Why? What would it do, that information? You know? What would it do? You know? Is it actually knowledge? You know? Uh, So I go back to a word, the, the word faith, uh, after like seeing into the conditioning and uh, that dukkha or that suffering, uh, when we recognize it, the grasping, the price of the grasping. And if we can't go right up to the boat, we're always in the past, you know, we're always, in a sense, uh, we're get, we may get closer through this practice because what we're looking at is that flow that's happening uh, at this phenomenal speed. You know. Then uh, what are we, if, if there's not somewhere to get to with this, then what is it that allows us you know, to move, to stay? You know. And uh, this word trust, you know, um, you know, there's this trust that somehow in not knowing and staying here that, you know, that's good enough. This is what's available with as much, you know, kind of wherewithal or concentration or ability to see right now uh, is enough. And we start seeing that somehow uh, even the, the mystery, the complexity of it all, uh, we can't do anything or catch up to it or somehow, you know, it's sort of like a, um, I think of it as body surfing, you know, it's like there's this wave that's happening and we're all here together. And there's actually no separateness in the togetherness. So all we can do is, is the wave is going it, and you can turn a little to the left or a little to the right, right? But we're all connected. This is, this, you can't take it apart, you know? That's not possible. We can go a little to the left, a little to the right, you know? And begin to understand the limitation itself. And they say when that understanding from knowing the way things are, the knowledge of the way things are, when that is uh, available to us, when we really uh, are, are kind of resting in that not knowing, that there is a disenchantment. You know, uh, a kind of a, a soberness that happens because there's no separateness. So every act that you know someone does out there also is somehow all the effects are all, you know, mixed, you know. And so the freedom is actually not a personal freedom in the way the personal can go there. It can't go there. You know. Only the awareness of the connectedness. So there's a sense of this uh, kind of disenchantment. And that disenchantment then, they say actually then, uh, the word is used, which uh, I'm still looking at some way to maybe um, reframe it some way, but the, the next stage is, is, is known as um, dispassion, you know? You know, you're not going to get out of this alive. We're all connected somehow in this. And that um, it's, it's completely mysterious and unknowable from one level, but is there some way to sit and be 
in a sense, uh, a knower and observer. And then at that point, when one that dispassions there, there's actually, they use the word uh, knowledge, uh, or really it is the uh, awareness of liberation. You know, that liberation is, uh, uh, there's still an inkling somewhere in there. that's still moving. And one reaches, they say at that point, a kind of state of equanimity where everything is the way it is. And what we know as consciousness arises uh, in these fractions of a moment that makes the connection, it breaks, totally breaks. We use the word satori or nibbana, nibbana, you know. But uh, no longer can the mind-body kind of hold the dichotomy. It, it just breaks. No. And so this is the wheel uh, that's really that, uh, uh, that ha- what happens in this process when we uh, recognize, and this is all happening in fractions of a second. It's okay. You know, I'm not expecting you to suddenly be there and this is breaking down and and a lot of times I've used linear kind of ways that this happens and I'm not sure if that's actually the way it happens. You know, it's the way the intellectuals took and tried to give us a map to work with this. But it really goes back to this thing about intuitive knowledge that somehow that when we understand the price of grasping and attachment, that little point in there, that when we understand that and begin to, um, you know, uh, there's uh, really the ability is to soften, you know, Uh, soften, uh, get bigger than the, the need itself. the grasping itself is, in a sense, short-circuited. There is a process here that when the mind uh, no longer uh, looks anywhere, that there is actually a vividness. Uh, This vividness is a mind that it has an understanding of what is arising. You know, so the mindfulness itself uh, is freeing. Over and over again. And out of that kind of vividness, uh, there suddenly, which is really about the mind uh, and its steadiness. Uh, then there is a quality 
of spaciousness that happens. So suddenly uh, uh, the mind no longer is confined uh, to struggle, but has a natural sharpness to it. And that there is uh, the spaciousness that uh, suddenly it's no longer just my body, it's the space that bodies are happening in. Suddenly you're the whole room. And that spaciousness is actually about the heart, that it can hold everything that's here. Even bigger than the room, actually. But for right now, just the capacity to be non-separate or to uh, rest in the wideness or broadness of the heart. And that the body itself There is uh, an ease, a relaxation, a non-struggle that means it is not separate from you. It is all of you. Uh, It has uh, millions of years of intelligence uh, that is informing you about grasping and about freedom. So there is this vividness of mind, this spaciousness of heart, and this ease of of, uh, connection, this body. I think I'm going to let you just chew on this. It's a, it's a huge piece, you know, and don't worry about the parts because it's really about this moment of freedom, about choosing not to grasp. And it'll go continue on that wheel or it can begin this whole other process. You know, and that whole other process uh, is outside of language. It is outside of... Um, uh, any form of contraction whatsoever, whatsoever. <laughs> so there is this curiosity, that curiosity, uh, that inquiry that, uh, in a sense, uh, uh, that longing for being ourselves, for being truly authentic, you know, uh, is there. And the practice is seeing through the, in a sense, the complexity to come to a place of uh, trust, uh, trusting the mind doesn't have to make anything up. I don't have to make anything up. Your heart, uh, it knows itself. No. And this body is really the Buddha's body. It's all there. So, thanks, dot, 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 giving. (laughs) 
searching through the catalog of my own mind, adventuring down the back alleyways, caught in the maze of my own manufacturing. These narrow streets so colorful, canopies blocking out the sunlight, the busyness of the kasba, the smell of mint tea. Where was I going? Where did I come from? Who is it that knows this? Stopping suddenly in the middle of the alleyway, feet glued to the cobblestones. That old familiar fear rising in the pit of the stomach once more. Remembering somehow that the maze goes on forever. Turning back, all the way back. Time standing still. The hush of all the voices. Wonder of wonders. Remembering the silence at the gateway to the monastery some deep surrender, where some measure of faith loosens the fear at last. No more searching through the darkened streets. No more pulling out of hair, asking which way to go. Why is this so difficult? Who started this? How far, how long, how high will I ever reach some kind of peace? giving up, giving way, just giving some thanks, dot, 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 giving. The heart, like the lotus flower, barely open, so sensitive, rising out of the muck of the back streets of my mind. Finally, finding its own way. We'll just sit for a moment. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.